We all do it, and yet we condemn it, but we still struggle as we do it. We have, all have a tendency to judge others in our heart based on their outward appearance or their outward behavior. Everybody does it, and we all condemn it. I can remember one time I was a seminary student, and I was a once-a-month preaching assistant, and in that, that school year just started for me uh, at the seminary, and so I was going down to Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, at First German Lutheran Church. Anybody ever go there, some of you Midwesterners, Lake Geneva? Uh, there was a, a big guy. It was a very packed Sunday morning service. There was a big guy sitting in about two pews from the back, and uh, he had a, a, a beard that was as wide as it was long. He had a, a big, heavy winter coat on, and he had his arms crossed like this, and his chin was down. And the entire time I was stood up, young man talking, he just looked just like that the whole time. Every time I would, as I was talking and preaching, I would pan his direction, I'd be just a little startled. I thought, that guy looks scary. And I think... He's here uh, maybe against his will or something, and I don't think he likes a thing that I'm saying. And I had this conversation going on in my head the whole time, trying to concentrate on what I was saying. It was all my heart judging him. So and there was a church where the pastor walks down the aisle and greets everybody at the door. And, of course, good Lutherans, they went one row at a time from the front to the back. And so it was almost everybody was gone. And I saw him coming in the line, and I thought, man, I don't, I'm just, he just frightens me. And he walked up to me with this warm, big, as some of you know, Elmer Beasy's paws. Remember how big those hands were? Big hands, and he shook my hand, and he grabbed my elbow, and with the kindest eyes, he said, Vicar, because that's part-time assistant, was called a vicar. That was a, a great sermon, and it touched my heart deeply, and thank you for taking the time to talk to us about God's Word. I want to say, oh, God, forgive me, a poor, miserable sinner, because I had you pegged a whole different way. We all, we all do it, and yet we condemn it. And we get to see it happen in the Gospels a lot to Jesus and to his followers. And it's so familiar to us, sometimes we overlook what's really happening there. And today it happens to Mary. The, there were, there's like five Marys in the New Testament. This is the Mary that's the sister of Martha and Lazarus. They live in Bethany. Bethany is two miles from Jerusalem to the east, and it it it, it become in Jesus' three-year ministry. It had become a home away from home, as if he had a home right on earth. He would go there and felt very comfortable, and often bringing whomever with him. And you couldn't phone or text ahead of time that you're bringing guests. And he would eat at their table. And remember Martha when she was busy in the kitchen once, and Mary was listening to Jesus and teach, and she stayed at his feet. That, that's that family. Before this story we're about to read, Lazarus had died. When Jesus came, Mary and Martha, who had sent word for Jesus for days earlier, said, if only you'd have come when we'd have asked you, he wouldn't have died. And then Jesus proclaimed he was the resurrection and the life, and he did a miraculous thing that not many families on the planet in all of history have ever gotten. He raised their brother from the dead and gave them more time on earth together. Special grace treatment. Every one of us has special grace, but that was one of the special graces that Mary and Martha got. They got their brother back. It was a mixed bag, though, because that story was so popular and spreading so rapidly because it was such a surprise to humanity 
that hundreds, if not thousands, of people were flocking to Bethany out of Jerusalem to find Lazarus and to hear the story and to ask the relatives and friends if it was real. And that commotion had gotten the chief priest and the scribes and Pharisees so riled up that they were losing con the control of the people that they heightened their plan to figure out a way to get rid of Jesus. And Jesus and the Heavenly Father had known that this was the storyline that was coming to a climax. And Jesus had been telling his disciples just verses earlier, just hours earlier than this story, I'm going, we're getting into Jerusalem, we're now just two miles away, and they're going to torture me, turn me over to the Romans and torture me, crucify me, and I'll die. And on the third day, I'll rise again. He's been saying that. They're not buying it, though, because it doesn't fit their paradigm. And when something doesn't fit your paradigm, you tend to filter it out and discount it. But Mary didn't. She listened. And here's the story. She, she does something beautiful and very devoted to Jesus, and it's very misunderstood and misconstrued by the the other apostles. So let's get into the story. It's uh, verse 1 of chapter 14 of Mark. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away, and the chief priest and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. Notice how wicked and sinister this really is, that religious leaders are plotting the death. I know it's so wild to us that it'd be hard for you to grasp this, and I hope it would always be that way, but that would be as if you found out that I was plotting the death of another human being. This is really bad, right? And, and they, they didn't recognize that it was Satan. They, it was self-preservation in their mind, but it was Satan leading them to be a murderer. Jesus had said he's a murderer from the beginning, making mockery of God that God's people would calculate how they're going to put Jesus to death to plan. Jesus knew it, and so he's telling his disciples, and he's telling Mary, and Mary believed Jesus against her own wishes. And you think of how hard it is to accept something you don't want to happen. Like a loved one is dying and the doctor says, there's nothing more we can do. And you just want to stomp your foot and say, you're the doctor. Do something new. Find the answer, right? In denial. She wasn't in denial. And she wasn't in denial for a while. Because she found a way to go buy very expensive perfume which wasn't always easy to come by maybe she'd had it on her shelf but then she had to calculate how she was going to use it a year's wages for a day laborer a worth of perfume surely Lazarus and Martha would raise an eyebrow Mary had to calculate how she was going to do this so this is what she does while he was in Bethany reclining at the table of a home of Simon the leper, which is a, probably a man he'd cured of leprosy, 
Jesus was there at his house, a woman, and the other gospels say Martha was in Simon's kitchen making supper for them. A woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. The other gospel writers say it's Mary. Made of pure nard, that's a perfume from India. She broke the jar because that's what you had to do to get it out of the fancy alabaster sealed jar. She broke the jar. It was, all, it was, a, it was created by its creative people to be a one-time use perfume that you used on a very special occasion a year's worth of wages okay she broke it and she poured it the perfume on his head the other gospel writers say also his feet that's why the picture on the screen if the verses are in the way now but she's washing his feet with her hair this is this is mary martha's sister using this perfume on his feet and then she moves up to his head this is very dramatic, and this nard, would, it filled the room with the smell. It, it, it permeated the whole room. It was also not very Jewish for a woman to reveal her hair and then to use her hair in touching uh, a man in front of everybody else. All of this was very calculated. It was an outward behavior that was odd and weird and expensive and it looked extravagant and for someone like Jesus who fed the poor and only had one set of clothes and not a house to live in or a bed to lay his head on Jesus looked like he was allowing something risque and extravagant and way too egocentric for Jesus and Judas in this story, this, remember there's four Gospels that tell this story. The other story, the other Gospels say it was Judas that started the, the conversation in the room that she should have allowed them to sell this in the marketplace and give the money to the poor if she wanted to make a good use of it instead of anointing Jesus. And then once he said that, the other disciples kind of joined in, and now she is judged for an outward behavior that's, that's saying she's being frivolous and foolish, and she's not. She's actually saying to everyone in the room, I love Jesus more than anything else i don't care if i lose my reputation in front of all of you i don't care what you think about me i love jesus for what i know jesus is for me she couldn't do anything about the fact that he was going to die but she knew he was but she could preach it she could proclaim it by her action in a man's world they wouldn't necessarily welcome her to speak, but once the perfume is out, you can't put it back in the bottle. Once everybody's aghast and she's doing her thing, they can't stop her from doing it. Once she's lodged those pictures and those thoughts in their mind, they can't unthink them. They're going to be stuck with this forever. And she, she gives this moment to Jesus like a softball pitch to a home run hitter. And he knocks it out of the park. 
Some of those present were saying indignantly to one, indignantly to one another, why waste this perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you'll have with you always. You can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. I'm going to stop right there because I have two points from this story that I think are valuable and important for us to remember. One is devotion to Christ is extremely deeply personal. Emotionally, there were only two people in that room that counted to her at that moment, Jesus and her. The others counted insofar as she could proclaim him, but she was going to tell Jesus what he, was, what he meant to her. And she was going to do it openly. Have you ever either lost a loved one yourself or heard somebody that had lost a loved one that never really got to tell them how much they meant to them. She wasn't going to let that happen. She believed him when he said, I'm only here a short time. She believed she would not see him in the flesh for a long time, the rest of her earthly life, that she would live out her life until she got to heaven, just like you are without people that you love, she wouldn't see him again. And she wasn't going to miss that opportunity. She calculated and she measured, and prayerfully so, this thing is heightening. The climax is coming. He had just said, in just a few days, this is going to happen. Now they are close to Jerusalem. In fact, the next day is the triumphal entry, right? So this, this, this uh, steamroller is, mar is you know going, and she gets it. So she says, this is the moment. I'm going to show him what he means to me, and I'm going to do it in front of everybody. I can honor him, even though I can't stop it from happening. But there's something more. And I started to read it, and it's in this paragraph where Jesus is talking. What makes Jesus so happy is that she pitched him that softball because she got she listened to Jesus over her own paradigms, over her own Jewish nation's ideas, over the disciples. Remember, he had to say to Peter, get behind me, Satan, because he didn't want him to go die and all that. She, she pushed all that aside, and she listened to Jesus, and she got who he was and why he had come. Everything in Jewish society said Messiah was going to bring an eternal life on earth. It was prosperity-driven, and it was without confronting even the Jews with their own sins individually or as a nation, but she got it. She probably got to sit back at her own home when she sat in that den and Martha was in the kitchen when she got upset about Mary and she got to ask Jesus if she wanted to. Well, they say the Messiah is going to give us prosperity and you've been raising the dead and feeding people. Well, you're in our home. Well, tell me, is that way it's going to go? And Jesus would look her in the eye and say, Mary, every single human it's going to die except those that when I come are alive when I come back. But every single human's going to die because they're sinful and you're sinful, Mary. And I came to do more than bring you 
and earthly relief from the effects of sin. I came to relieve you of sin itself. And he looked into her soul and he told her he was coming to die for her. Now do you see how small a year's wages for a day laborer's worth of perfume looked to Mary when she believed that if she were the only human being on the face of the planet, Jesus still came to die for her. She was telling him, remember I said telling him what he means to her before he died? She was telling him, I deeply appreciate the fact that you left heaven to come be my personal savior from myself, from my own sin. She's not blaming the Jewish leaders, not blaming her brother, not blaming the establishment, not blaming her sister. You came to die for my own sin. And I'll anoint you now to tell you that before you, you're buried. Pitch that softball because it wasn't just for her, but it was for all people, right? And so Jesus got to proclaim why he had come. And get the, get the, get the way Mark puts it together for you. Mark is telling the story as an inspired writer. The verses right before it are really out of order chronologically. When it says it was two days before the Passover, that's actually Tuesday. Some of you preachers, and there are a few of you are preachers in here, have been hung up on that since I said it was Saturday. Because you're thinking, wait a minute. But this is one of those places where the gospel writers, in the economy of their language, do not tell you they don't care that you're going to get stumped by it, but they do not tell you that they're working on a little bit different than just a straight. Their, their biggest priority is not chronological accuracy in your mind. What, what they want is thematic accuracy. So here we go. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were in a plot to kill Jesus. Jesus had been telling his disciples and Mary, Martha, other women, he was going to die. The plot thickened chronologically after this Saturday. But I want to put it at the head of the story because I want to talk about she got that. She understood that because Jesus had been telling her it was happening. There's a lot more I could tell you about that, but you got it. Now, now the story is, I worship you because you're doing this for me. And then how does the, the text end? Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money, so he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. I just want you to let that settle in for a minute. Who did I tell you the other gospel writers said started the criticism? It was Judas. Mary is saying you're going to die. And Jesus, it says in John 6, knew who it was that was going to betray him. I don't know that, and nobody knows that Mary knew Judas was going to do the betrayal yet. But she knew that Jesus was going to die. And there's Judas in the room with a murderous temptation in his heart. And he acts on it as soon as the story is over. 
So there's Mary saying, you're going to die. There's Jesus saying, I'm going to die. And she's preparing this for my body for the burial to show me ahead of time that she loves me. And I, I love her with an everlasting love like I love all people. And there's Judas hearing all of that. And then he, he, he was still propagating this idea that Jesus and Mary were fools because they should have used this to help the poor. Well, what help do the poor need the most? Money or salvation? What help do the rich need the most? Salvation. Judas was vomiting a a putrid smell into the room of unbelief in Jesus' mission. And the dark, the print, you know, later it says Satan entered his heart. The darkness that's coming out of Judas cannot overcome the perfume from the alabaster flask and from the actions of Mary and the words of Jesus. And all of this, Jesus said, the unbelief and the belief in the same room, in the gospel of Jesus Christ for our souls, all of this Jesus said it's going to go down in history and here we are in 2022 able to read the story in all four gospels and preach about it for the sake of our salvation. Think of the souls for centuries that read the Passion and this helped them understand the singular gospel and what true devotion looks like, first from the Savior and then from his followers. Think of what this does to our souls for 2,000 plus years to teach us you don't need people's approval. And so go ahead and unashamedly confess your value and your allegiance to Jesus Christ. Confess him before people because that will fill the room with a fragrance of faith. The fragrance of faith in a God who would die for us. Do you understand how unique? How un- There's no other world religion that teaches that. That the glory is the gruesome death of the God-man for the souls that sinned against him. And we're irreverent and rather indifferent. We're lost. While we were yet sinners and enemies of God, Christ died for us. And Mary confessed it. You you came to die for us. You came to die for me. And it's still told about her today. And it's still told about Judas, that this is what unbelief looks like. Criticizes and makes light of. The, the main message of Christianity being the sacrificial death of Christ on the cross. When that is our mainstay, that is our hope, that is our joy, that is our meaning and purpose in the Christ. That's what Lent is all about, right? So, are you reflecting on any moment in your life with family or friends where someone sort of stunk up the room in their evaluation of your devotion? or they thought was your lack of devotion because you didn't do it their way. You see the, the affirming 
love of Christ? You see, it's not, the, it's not so much the action ever. It's the thought and the belief in your heart that either sanctifies or eliminates it as a good work. So the, one of the questions you'll ask yourself when you hear this story is like, would I do that? Would I do something so off the wall with a year's worth of wages? That's a good thing to ask. Sometimes it makes you like cringe that maybe I had the opportunity to stand up and stand out and I didn't. Who's in the room? Well, the greatest two people are not the great villain Judas and the great Saint Mary. The greatest person in the room is Jesus, who died for Mary and begged for Judas' soul. He wanted to save him, and he kept trying to get Judas to turn. And this story is part of the, the, the pleading of the Savior to get Judas to come around. So when you feel guilty for not having stood up and stood out, Look into Jesus' eyes and hear what he says. I died and was buried for you. It's okay. I'm still here. I saved your soul. You'll find that the grace of God toward you, even about the fact that your devotion is somewhat tarnished, that grace of God will actually give you a greater devotion. Because you're devoted to the one that's forgiven you so much not to the one just because he is filled with fills you with awe of his holiness it's appreciation for his grace and remember when you do something for Christ whatever it is and someone is questioning you and your motive but you know you were doing it for the right reasons for your savior Remember what he said to Mary about Mary. She has done a beautiful thing for me, and she did what she could. That's what he says about you. You live for an audience of one. You don't live for anyone else, and that one is your redeeming Savior. Amen.